Oh. And at any given time, it's either one or the other that we're seeing on screen, but it's not necessarily the same one every time he leaves the screen. Oh, like twins. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Thursday, February 24th, issue number 36, surprise, Thought Bubble episode. We said we wouldn't be back until next month, but then Flash went ahead and revealed who Zoom was and... We have some other things we want to talk about, but chiefly, I arranged this surprise episode so that Dave could explain to me what happened on The Flash, which he just kind of did off air, but we're going to talk about it on air, too. Also, nobody knows, but this is the fun part of being a superhero fan is the wild speculation point, which is probably why last season they revealed the reverse Flash around this time before they took a week break. Like they're doing now, so we all get to stew with it. It's longer than a week. They're they're not going to be back for a month. So have fun. All right. uh, First, we're going to talk quickly. You know, if you don't if you don't watch the Flash, don't worry. You don't have to turn off the uh, the podcast. We have some other things we want to talk about. Uh, Really quickly, I'm going to go through what I've been reading. I read uh, as is uh, typical of my brand. I read only Image Comics this last week. I read uh, Saga 5, which I hadn't gotten around to. Um, and I have to say, uh, probably my least favorite uh, edition of Saga. Um, You're talking about the trade paperbacks? <clears throat> yes. Got it. And um, because I don't know if I just need to go back and... Okay, this is my, I'll say this. This is my first time reading an ongoing series, I think. Like, really feeling what people feel for a long-running... You know, what you guys have been feeling for decades as comic readers, I'm feeling with Saga, where I'm like, should I reread it all every time a new trade comes out? Because I don't read issues. <clears throat> oh, but do, do you? Reread? Yeah, the entire thing each time? Um, I, I've been rereading Rat Queens for each trade, but I haven't been doing it with Saga. Should I? I don't know. It's just sort of fun. It's a, it really depends on the comic line, I think, or just how like starved you are for a new installment. Yeah, so maybe I should reread Saga, and if I were to do that, I would like uh, you know Saga Five as much as the other ones. But I don't know. There was just something about it. They also they killed off a lot of characters, which was a smart thing to do because the story was expanding outwards too much. So they reconnected some characters who had been separated, and they killed off a bunch of side characters, and that's good because I think they they just needed to streamline it back to the core um, story. So, uh, yeah, Saga, and then also I read Sunstone three and four, I believe, and that just continues to be um, a really great smutty comic that I enjoy. So yeah, hey. 
Dave, have you been reading anything? And educational about the world of BDSM. Uh, Dave, have you been reading anything? Um, uh, the only thing that I sort of had time to read, I actually read today on a work break, um, which was uh, Frank Miller's third issue of Dark Knight 3, which the previous two issues I've found just hilarious in their audacity, but now I'm starting to find it cathartic in its audacity. Um, let me sort of explain. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns was released in the 80s and has a lot to say sort of about the Reagan administration. Uh, the Dark Knight, or uh, the Dark, what was the other one? No, 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 no. Dark Knight Returns, the second one. The second, second Dark Knight Returns. It's not just called Dark Knight Returns 2. It's called something else. Dark Knight, Knight Returns again some more. Uh, strikes Back. Dark Knight Strikes Back. Oh. Something like that. Anyway, God, someone's going to ping me for not knowing that, but it's not important. It's Dark Knight 2, if we're just n- numbering them after 3. Mm-hmm. It was 2001, so that's like the Bush administration. And then Dark Knight 3 is like sort of coming on this whole Trump hysteria of him like sort of, you know, Go, was clinching the Republican nomination in some people's eyes, which is freaking people out. And I know this isn't like the greatest thing to let bleed into my comics podcast the second time, but it's like Frank Miller's libertarian Batman <laughs> up against a conservative system uh, is really the most forgiving I am of Frank Miller's Batman, who sort of consistently gets worse as Frank Miller gets older and he makes Batman sort of like a blunter asshole old man. But now I'm really sort of like, I'm on the side of asshole Batman uh, with the portrayal of uh, modern society, which includes Donald Trump uh, in issue three, um, where some Kryptonians have come and declared that there are new gods or they're going to blow up all our capitals. And everyone sort of like lets the United Nations make the calls until the Kryptonians take out the internet and then the populace sort of like revolts and rolls over. So Batman has to go dig up Superman out of a little ice block because Superman gave up a few decades ago and just was like, screw this world. I'm going to go sit in my ice block in my fortress of solitude. And Batman's also given up since then. And the Batman we saw in the first two issues ends up being the female Robin in disguise. But now it finally looks like all our heroes are back into play and are going <laughs> to basically uh kick the crap out of some kryptonians and the the world's governments which like it's finally taking the cathartic turn that like batman beating up on police didn't quite get there for in like issue one so dark knight three got hooks in me it took three issues but and it's sort of like a legacy read but it's i found myself in a frank miller pocket where i didn't i didn't hate what i was reading anymore so that's at least notable all right. Um, I think that's a good enough transition to talk about Batman v Superman getting an R-rated Blu-ray release. Yeah. Don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was announced this week. Uh, you know, a lot of people were, were wondering if in the wake of the success of the R-rated Deadpool, if this would mean we would get a glut of R-rated films, uh, comic book films. And it uh, looks like we did not have to wait long they could claim it had nothing to do with Deadpool, but uh, Warner Brothers is releasing a director's cut of Batman v Superman that's R-rated that will be in the home release, not in theaters, but at home you'll get to watch 
I don't know, a more violent or as Twitter would have it yesterday, a much sexier like Batman on Superman action, uh, Batman v Superman colon Donna Justice. But uh, yeah, we are getting R rated more grimdark Superman than you could have possibly ever wanted. Dave, how do you feel about this? Well, specifically, it looks like the rating is for violence and violent situation. So it's pretty much like a let's turn up the grit. Um, I think this is the first Deadpool reaction, specifically because it's just like a new edit of the film all of a sudden. And it's not like Zack Snyder to shoot for a more violent film, like especially over years and then suddenly make it R-rated. So the only thing I could think has happened is like, they it maybe extended some beatdowns or added like CG blood. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. CG blood because that's yeah. the spoiler free like. Uh, oh, do we have to talk about this in the spoiler section? Well, I want to revisit it in the spoiler section. Okay, but I want to say that it's definitely like I wouldn't hope for like sexier, you know, wet Gal Gadot or anything like that. I no, think I, the, the, getting... the sex thing was a joke. Um. Oh yeah, no, I like the the Batman versus Superman. Uh, threatening to come on each other that i saw on twitter that that was pretty funny yeah i saw that I, direction. I, I saw a photoshop poster of um of their like uh, um, i don't know batman's batarang like uh, to use a euphemism sort of be costumed anyway i can't explain it without getting r-rated so um yeah, go on Twitter and look up Batman v Superman R-rated and enjoy all the memes that cropped up yesterday because of that. So, <clears throat> um, I want to hit two comic book, lighter comic book shows really quickly. <clears throat> One is Agent Carter, which has its uh, probable series finale next week. They've been plowing through two episodes at a time the last two weeks, so they they got through their second season really quickly. We've already talked in previous episodes about how it's probably getting canceled, but I will say that I don't know if it was just for me or what, but they decided to have a musical fantasy sequence uh, last (laughs) night uh, where Enver Jokay from Dollhouse, who's my favorite part of anything ever, um, got to sing and dance in an old-timey Agent Carter musical sequence, so... It was very Whedon. Thank you. It, thank you very much, Agent Carter, for existing this long so that you could give me that. Now you can go with God. I will say this season, there's been – it's still not a great show, but I, I, but I'm glad it exists this season. Last season, I was less glad. But this I'm going to do it all at once. I'm going to watch it all at once now that there, I know there's a month of not flash. All right. Sounds good. Well, then you can come all a flutter uh, in a future thought bubble and tell me what you thought of the musical sequence. And then the other comic book show that we never talk about is iZombie on CW, which is technically a comic book show um, uh, that I really like. And, you know, it's, it's by creator Rob Thomas, who did Veronica Mars. And this last week's episode also had a great musical, not musical number, but someone great singing, but also... Um, Enrico Colantoni, who's from Veronica Mars, cropped up, and they had Chris Bell do a voiceover a couple weeks ago. The show is just getting better and better and stronger. So I'm just going to put a bit out there. If you haven't given iZombie a chance, it starts – like, my friend called it Veronica Scars, I think, when it first started going, because it was just seemed like such a Veronica Mars knockoff. But it's getting just stronger and stronger. It's a show that I really enjoy. And it pairs nicely with The Flash. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, 
we have an email from Benjamin Block. Uh, and he says, hey, Thought Bubblers, I'm new to comics inspired by your podcast and only starting to understand some of the turmoil in the industry. I know you tend to stick to the comic-related TV and movie news on the podcast, but I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts about Eric Stevenson's speech. Feel free to reframe my question as you see fit. I didn't reframe it. I read it word for word. We <laughs> will put a link to this speech in the show notes uh, so you know what we're about to talk about. But Dave is going to explain what Eric Eric Stevenson's speech is, what it means to the comic book world. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Go, Dave. So the speech basically outlines the history of comics from like the EC being shot down comics code era through the modern era and sort of like the waves of popularity and profitability and how occasionally when the industry happens across a challenge, it tries to figure out how to sell before it tries to figure out how to tell stories. I hope I'm not doing him just like misjustice by saying that, but I think that's like the point of it. It's like uh, the comics gets challenged uh, by Congress, and so we come up with the comics code, and then we finally free ourselves of the comics code, and things get popular again. We start putting out too many books, and then uh, we start putting out too many books, and we start doing variant foil covers, and we're in the 90s, and then all of a sudden there's a boom in that. And at some point, um, we're down to where we are now, where the so-called direct market sales, which is selling uh, directly to comic book stores, which is basically how all comic books are sold now. Not a lot are in like Barnes and Nobles or newsstands anymore. That just doesn't exist. So there's reduced comic book stores and the direct market sales have sort of reduced. And now uh, they're this commodity. So his argument makes is that he's making is that he's seeing the current comics industry sort of exploiting that commodity for fast sales like they did before. So because there's only so many, you know, direct titles, uh, they're doing things like putting a title in uh, twice a month, which makes it more difficult to track sales because sales are all tracked by monthly. They're doing things like sending a minimum amount of issues that you have to order in order to get a variant. And of course, variants are important to collectors, but you may not be able to sell that base amount of issues, which is just artificially inflating sales and sort of driving the comic book stores out of money. So all of a sudden you uh, have like this exploitative environment as he sees uh, in the marketplace. So he has some advice, which is basically if you're, you know, putting out too many comics and you're a publisher, you should stop. You should read all your comics, all the comics that you're putting out, you should read all the time and not be afraid to uh, stop things that you find derivative or not good, or like, he's not saying like reject things that are bad once, but he's saying, you know, some things that are bad on the pitch, but then aren't consistently performing and don't be afraid to stop those because you don't want to flood the market with too many different comics. And he's also says at one point in the speech that he's going to basically stop. Uh, he's already, all right, here we go. I could quote it. I've been turning down zombie pitches for years, but now I'm turning down sci-fi pitches. I'm turning down horror pitches, crime pitches, anything we already have in abundance. Unless there's something truly remarkable about those types of comics, the market is filled with them already. There are other seems to work. Now is the time to start digging deeper. So it's basically like a rallying call uh, that is telling people that all of these practices that we're seeing um, with smaller companies trying to, you know, game the system to get more sales, or even with bigger companies doing all these huge events and entry point uh, reboots 
that really what they're doing is trying to momentarily boost sales to the detriment of this very scarce resource, which is the direct marketing uh, line of profit. And so the the industry overall hasn't fully transferred over to digital yet. They're doing okay, but if they are you know, blow out the rest of these comic book stores with bad business practices because they want people to be reading Wolverine when the next X-Men movie comes out. Uh, they're they're going to very quickly drive themselves into another hole uh, like they saw at the end of the 90s or in the 50s or 60s. So once again, we promise Image Comics does not sponsor our show. Um but, you know, so because Eric Stevenson is a publisher at Image Comics. Um, but, I, you know, I do get the Image uh, PR emails every week when their new stuff comes out. And uh, I compared them to Europa before. And I really do feel that these PR emails are written by people who clearly have read all their titles. If you go on the Image Comics website, you're not going to be overwhelmed as you would be on a Marvel or, or a DC because you can actually physically go through all the titles they have you do have time to do that there are um there aren't so many that you will just be completely overwhelmed and i just i find that really friendly to me as a consumer oftentimes with with marvel or dc i just don't know where to start and also yeah just this notion of creativity i just really do find that image is more open to uh, creative approaches to storytelling and not just reiterating what we've seen over and over again and i say that as a new person to comics so like and i'm not knocking this is not me like you know just knocking decades of history of marvel and dc but i I, just for me as a consumer i really do like the way that image presents their product so yeah and i'm we'll link to the full piece and you really should read it because like the first half is just like a pretty great comics history of direct marketing excellent um, so this is where we are going to talk about The Flash and Zoom. Um, if you haven't watched the episode yet, please do skip to the end to hear what Dave wanted to say about Batman v Superman, um, sexy R-rated version. Um, but until then, we are going to be talking about Flash and the Zoom. The Zoom. The Zoom. Uh, and, <laughs> and last night's big reveal. Um... Here we go. Okay, so I, I I wanted to start by saying I love I lo- we read all your emails. We love all your emails, but it might be the case that this week me reading too many Zoom theories uh, made me more confused by the episode than I needed to be. I'll just <laughs> I'll just give you some samplings. Uh, Chris Simmons wrote in, and these are not knocking these theories. I'm just saying um, I got. I got too confused. So Chris Simmons wrote in, he wrote the theory we came up with last night, and this is all in reaction to the Flash episode of two weeks, like last week, not last night, but last yeah, week. Yeah, the, the conclusion of the Earth 2 there you go. two-parter. Yes, when we see Jay, you know, get killed via portal uh this is this is their immediate reaction and chris simmons wrote the theory we came up with last night after watching was that there are three earth two j's in his quest for more speed the velocity serum split j into a number of aspects we have the pure j who seeks to do good the j before the speed so to speak that was on earth one the one with the team then there's the j of regret in his mask and then there is the addiction constantly seeking more speed j which is zoom uh, so that's one theory that there's just a bunch of different J's running around. 
And then another theory we got from Lauren Lee Chen, he wrote, I saw a theory that the man the Iron Mask is Earth-1 Jay Garrick, Zoom is Earth-2 Hunter Zolomon, and actually they are long-lost twins in both worlds. So basically, in this version, uh, there are four guys who look like Jay Garrick. Two Hunter Zolomons, two Jay Garricks. What Dave just explained to me off air, and then I read an interview last night. Wait, I'm not even done. I read an interview <laughs> last night um, from Andrew Kreisberg, who is the who's the showrunner of Flash, I believe, is his or at least EP or something like that. Uh, it's an interview in Variety, and he basically outlined the fact that the Jay Garrick that we've and this felt like a spoiler to me, but I guess he assumed it was clear from the episode, so I'm gonna feel free to read it on there. Which is that the Jay that we saw die. And I guess he is actually... I didn't believe he was dead at the end of the conclusion of Earth 2, but he seems quite dead now. Um, that that Jay was not a good guy. Um, that he was playing Team Flash the whole time. That he's been watching them. That he knew what they needed. And he insinuated himself as Caitlin's love interest. As a father figure for Barry. Just giving them all exactly what they needed so that they would trust him and bring him into the fold. Uh, so yes. So if that Jay was evil and the guy who looks like Jay, uh, under the zoom mask is evil, then Dave, what Christopher Nolan movie could you use to explain to us what's going on? The prestige. Ta-da. Are we going to, I mean, <laughs> I get, I'm sorry if I'm also about to spoil the prestige. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, stop the podcast and go watch the prestige. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's let's assume there's only two because there's earth one and earth two so there's two people that look like jay and they've been working together since the beginning and one is super fast and the other can only go fast when injected with some velocity serum and then the, and they're both, both evil playing it switching it back and forth being uh being the flash when or not being the Flash, depending. So, like, the Hunter Zolomon that we saw sitting on a park bench was actually Zoom or whoever. It, you know, it was one of these pair of nefarious guys who look like Jay Garrick, who we know as Jay Garrick, um, playing Team Flash to get more speed. Uh, we don't know why the depowered guy who looks like Jay, uh, the useless Jay, I think is how Dave referred to him, the guy who's dead now. We don't know what his motivation is. We knew, we do know that Zoom wants more power. We don't know when they started working together. We don't know a lot of stuff, but this does make sense. This makes a lot more sense to me than like tracking four guys with like Jay, because then the question is who's in the Iron Mask, right? Uh, and one great theory is that we've not actually met the real Jay Garrick, um, and the real Jay Garrick is in the Iron Mask, but. I have another one, too. Okay. But, but, I mean, Harry, that means that Hunter Zolomon has been posing as Jay Garrick since the incident on Earth 2. Because um, Harry thinks this guy is Jay Garrick. And Jesse says the guy in the Iron Mask has been there since before she got there. Right? So... Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it makes more pop- sense to me that they're both Hunter Zolomon, Earth One Hunter Zolomon, Earth Two Hunter Zolomon. But it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that there's another guy called Jay Garrick. Like, why would you assume that name if you're Zoom pretending to be Jay Garrick or or whatever? You know? 
Yes, which leaves the other option. Okay, here's the the reason that original Jay Garrick sort of made sense to me is, one, Jay Garrick's supposed to be older, and that's just me holding on to the comic. But two is that... um, Jesse was the only one not in one of those vibrate-proof glass things. Yes. Which implies a speedster and possibly a speedster who, you know, is in a thing of oppositely vibrating earth glass. So, like an earth one speedster, possibly. I have no idea who that would be. Well, I know that a lot of people, because we got a closer look at the eye holes this week, and I know a lot of people seem to think that it might be Wally or the actor who plays Wally under that mask. Since Wally West is a speedster uh, in the comics and the Wally that we know on Earth One is not a speedster, but talks about speed all the time. But maybe well, it also makes sense because Hunter Zolomon is a Wally West right. flash villain. So maybe Earth Two Wally West is under that mask. Oh, man. Okay, what if it's Earth One Wally West and we've been being played for even longer this season than we know? Oh, and that's why Wally's like not into Barry. That's why Wally is the worst. Because <laughs> Wally West right now is the worst. So I, I would happily train him for Man in the Iron Mask, Wally West. So Well, it'd also be a cool way to just like skip over all this bullshit and have a kid flash immediately. Right. <laughs> But like, who knows? Uh, that that wouldn't make a lot of sense in terms of Wally West being a metahuman for a certain period of time before we. And it didn't. It's much like the f- revealing, uh, you know, reverse Flash was a time travel element. This allows them to, you know, sort of play within the. I'll call them fringe rules of dual. <laughs> Uh, timelines. Uh, I, I really hope it's the prestige because th- once you said that, my brain could wrap around it. But last night when I was trying to read some theories about how Zoom is Jay on different parts of the timeline, and now Jay and now Zoom knows that he's going to kill himself. I mean, that's just maybe I'm my brain is just too tiny. But I was just like, this is just obnoxiously complicated and I don't want to have to deal with it. But if you're like, hey, there's two guys as we've been dealing with all season in doppelgangers, there's two guys. They look the same. They've been playing the old, I don't know, parent trap bait and switch that twins seem to like to do and dressing up as each other and fooling people all to their own nefarious purposes. Like that makes sense to me. Um, You know what I would love? What would you love? But they can't do it because I don't think it lines up with the Earth 2 storyline. But if they rope back into Fathers and old Jay Garrick is in the mask, and it's Jay Garrick father. Uh, and is it Barry's dad? What? No, no just another guy. It's another speedster. The older Jay Garrick. Um, Warren Roth. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like you thematically. Just, you what's just the want most. your old Jay Garrick. That's what you want. Well, no, you're right in that it makes sense. The J, the two J's theory makes sense because the theme of the whole season is like the two things. So I'm trying to figure out what other themes have we been dealing with this season that could lead us to the identity of the man in the iron mask. Um, I guess Wally would make sense in that whole because he's the son, the lost son. Warren Warren Robinson um, wrote into us no relation. Um, and he wrote, I originally thought Zoom was Daniel West, Earth 2 version of Wally, but after the man in the Iron Mask 
Iron Mask tapped Jay and seemed upset when Barry said he was on Earth-1. I concluded Zoom is in fact some version of Hunter Zolomon while he's nemesis in the comics, and the man in the Iron Mask is the real Jake Garrick. Zoom captured him and is keeping him alive to consume his speed. I mean, once again, it doesn't make sense to me because we've seen versions of Earth-2, like that press conference that Harry was having, and then Jay shows up. So, like, Jay Garrick as a heroic figure on Earth-2 is a thing that exists and he looks like Hunter Zolomon. So I don't know. Like if there's a real Jay Garrick, there's a, there's a hop skip in the plot that I'm, I'm not getting. Uh, this is the last Zoom related email I'm going to read. <laughs> it comes from a couple weeks ago. This is from uh, Francis. And he wrote, as a fan of actor Tony Todd, I've been enjoying his vocal performance as the villain Zoom on The Flash. But I'm worried that the show is going to pull a Darth Vader and take the cool villain in the awesome black costume played by a black actor. And once his mask is taken off, he's going to be revealed to be another white dude. Uh, it'll be a weird racial bait and switch. And I don't think it's a good move in 2016, but I'm pretty sure it's coming. I don't even think Tony Todd has been given credit for playing the role yet, but his voice is unmistakable. Tony Todd for Zoom always. I've enclosed the requisite scene from Chasing Amy, and it's a scene talking about Darth Vader. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a good scene. (laughs) It's a great scene. Um, Actually, since John Wesley Shipp is on the show and has played The Flash before, they may go full Vader and give us Barry, I'm your father from Zoom. Okay, so a couple things. I guess I have been so sure for so long that it was John Wesley Shipp in that costume, so... I mean, I, I, this is the part where I should formally acknowledge that I was completely wrong and, um, you know, they got me or whatever. But also, I mean, what do you think of what Francis – Tony Todd – we've talked in the show about the fact that it's Tony Todd. Tony Todd has, has been given some credit for doing this voice. But do you, oh, yeah. But do you think it's weird in 2016 versus when Star Wars came out to have a black man, uh, you know, voicing a character and then whip off the hood and it's a, a blonde white dude? Um, I mean, it's interesting because no, no, I don't think it's weird. I think if, I think the whole black Vader thing is more, uh, a, a, a symbolism joke than like anything that could have like possibly happened, you know? How so? I, I mean, because who watches Empire Strikes Back and is like, Luke, I am your father, and is like, there's going to be a black man under there when that hood comes off. It's like, look at, look at, look at Mark Hamill. That's like, that's impossible. It would be like, I mean, you would just rewrite the history of the thing to be like a not racial thing, but we're talking about like the early 80s. It's not going to happen. And then here, it's not like, Zoom has a black costume, but it's, not like having a black voice means it seems there's something as racist about assuming that there's a that like a black voice has to attach to a black man just because we know like they're actors i mean like johnny knoxville's a ninja turtle i have had race plays doesn't play into that at all i mean i I think in a post-racial world right it doesn't matter black actors white actors who the voices are like in a we're not in a post-racial world but in a post-racial world it wouldn't matter tony todd has a cool deep menacing voice and so he is the right person and i thought i mean zoom is going to be a lot less menacing to me now that i know who's under that hood to be honest because that voice was that voice and costume design was really selling it for me um yeah i don't it's a great scene from chasing amy <laughs> I agree, um, and you know it is it is worth thinking about. I I had someone, um, I got in an argument with someone on on Twitter because um, who's who's the female speedster that they're casting coming up? 
Oh, the one that isn't Jesse Quick? Right. I, I don't remember. Okay, so there's a female speedster that is black in the comics who they're casting as white in the show coming up. And, and a bunch of people were getting really mad at The Flash about that. And to me, it seemed... I, I don't know. I, I, I hate whitewashing as much as anyone, honestly. Of course I do, but... And I think we might have even talked about this on air, but, you know, The Flash has has cast so many white characters, traditionally white characters as black, that I was like, okay, then if we're in a post-racial place, then, you know, they cast a black character as white and a white character as black, and hopefully, you know, more Latinos and Asians and, and all of that in there as well. Um, we're not, you, you know, there, there are still not as many roles for black actors on TV as there are for white actors still and yet. So, um, but, but someone had a really, uh, I don't know, different interpretation of the flash than I do, which is that Joe Valley and maybe more recent episodes bear this up, but that Joe ignores Iris, loves Barry, Barry's his white son, Iris is his black daughter, um, you know, just that, like, this white son has been prized over these black characters, that Iris is a bad character, and I think that's kind of true, but I don't think that has anything to do with race, and and she's improving every episode. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think of Flash as, as a show that has a problem with race, but clearly some people do, so I don't know. I just thought I'd raise it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has a problem with race, and I think that it's more aware of it. I think the CW shows in general, with the exception of Arrow, are a little bit more aware about trying to let some ethnicity in around the edges when possible. Uh, that being said, there's, yeah, like you're saying, there's a lot further to go. I'm just not sure when is the best use of our time to get all butthurt about it. As as an individual, you have to choose each time as an individual, you know, if you're... Is, my, is my butt going to be hurt this time? Yep. Is okay. this is it worth is this worth <laughs> yelling and ruining some people's day over? And if it is, go for it. I mean, I, I think yelling about casting is fine. Like I said before, yelling at a monolith is perfectly fine, um, and that's the way we uh, we express our emotions. But yeah, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't bother me mostly because I'm getting wary of the Flash's third season being like. Uh, Hey, we have Velocity Nine, and now everyone's going to be speedsters for a while, like Battle of the Speedsters. Do you so, do you here, do you think um, Jesse is going to be a speedster? I mean, because she isn't she in the comics? Yeah. I mean, her Wally, last potentially her last name is Quick. Uh, my dearest hope for Jesse is that she's Cisco's new girlfriend, which I thought we saw a hint of in this week's episode. That's probably Aww. the least. Uh, but what, Harry would be so mad. It would be great. It would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know their relative ages because, like, I don't know how old. She's, like, 20, right? Like, it's not gross that they date. I can't tell how old the actors are. I think they're, they've kept it vague thus far, so we'll assume you're not gross. Okay. Because he's, like, it's weird. Like, because Cisco and Caitlin... Are are postdocs presumably right? Like I don't know what their qualifications are, but they seem like they have more advanced science degrees than the, their ages seem to indicate. Uh, well, but then Jesse was like, "Let me help you, Dad. You forgot this thing about King Shark. Give me a marker." And I'm like, "Well, another super scientist." Right. Um. Okay. Uh. What did I? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all our Zoom stuff, right? Who does Joe talk to? <laughs> Who is Joe, Who's Joe to? going to talk to in, in season three? 
Um, well, Wally, I guess, but they need they need a better character. Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a speedster. Oh, <laughs> oh, poor Joe. Just, just him and Iris being like, man, <laughs> everyone's so not fast. scientists. Not what, what's what's for the reporter and the cop to do these days. I will say the last thing that I will say is that it remains it. It is consistently true that every time a character from Arrow visits the Flash, that character is immediately much more fun. So Diggle and his and Mrs. Diggle uh, were quite fun on this. Week's and that episode. was like the first we know, like we actually know that she's taken over Argus. Because right? Amanda Waller's dead, right? Right, that happened on Arrow. Yeah, yeah. No, so I raised that to a friend of mine, and he was like, "Amanda Waller's not dead." I was like, "No, I think they killed TV Amanda Waller." So that movie Amanda Waller, as played by Viola Davis, like would be the only Amanda Waller, right? I mean, they'll bring her back with like a clone or something. Ugh. if Suicide Squad doesn't do well, but we saw her like shot in the head. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I think but my yeah, friend think was just is, sleeping when that happened, or whatever. Yeah. This episode is the first one that confirms that she's taken over Argus. I think, yeah. or that just happened while two characters that didn't care about an arrow were talking. <laughs> uh, and then one last thing before we get to the spoiler session, which is. Greg Berlanti, who runs Flash Arrow, I mean, in theory, who oversees Flash Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and uh, Supergirl, uh, has just adopted a child. So if you thought the daddy issues were going to abate on Flash anytime soon, you are wrong. Because now he is a father. And we all saw what happened to American Horror Story when Ryan Murphy became a father. Uh, it was about well, it became about vaccinations okay <laughs> but, then, but then but then people versus oj simpson happened and it's the best thing he's ever done so he's not the he sh- he's not the showrunner on that uh, no, no no but he directed the the first episode he directed the first create it, right he, he his name is on it the fx is branding it as if it's a ryan murphy show but he's not the showrunner or the executive producer on that show. I mean, he might no, be. No, that's might fine. Have, yeah. We gave Martin Scorsese so much credit for Boardwalk Empire season one. I'm right. still, I'm still on it. I mean, <laughs> like when they do, I don't know, Casey Anthony next year. I'll probably not. I'll also blame Ryan. No, Murphy, they're we'll doing, see. they're doing Katrina next year. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, this is gonna be a race show. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be really good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not a comic book. That's based on the comic book we call life. Um, all right. So we're going to zoom over to the uh, spoiler section. And thank you all for listening to this special surprise Zoom centric episode. And we will see you either next week or next month or in the spoiler section. Got it, Juice. When Chris and I broke up, the Juice was there for me every night. It's like he's not really the Juice anymore. We got to get you dressed, Juice. Juice, Juice, a will? Juice. 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 Come on. Juice. Juice! Juice. Juice is, it's AC. Juice! AC's here! Juice. I heard Juice. It's on every channel. You know I feel the same, Juice. You're gonna tell them yourself, Juice. 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 Your whole family's here, Juice. She's on the house phone waiting to talk to you, Juice. Juice. Okay, Juice? Okay, Juice. We're good to go. You're home, Juice. You know Uncle Juice and your Uncle Juice... Your Uncle Juice is a good man. He's never going to stop being the Juice. It could explain a lot, Juice. Just hear him out, Juice. He's right, Juice. Listen, Juice. Juice, Juice, this is your life. Juice, Juice, um, please, Juice. Okay, Dave. Yeah. What can you tell me about an R-rated Batman v Superman that uh, you couldn't before? 
Well, what would be the two places that you would actually want more violence to up the dramatics of a situation if you were to guess? I have two. I'm, I'm saying if, if you, knowing what we know about the plot of this movie, which we've discussed sometimes without warning people, what are, what are two things? Robin getting beaten to death. I think that that would be a great thing to put in a, you know, special cut. Like, you know, we're going to have the idea that Robin's dead in this movie for sure. But if they shot something of uh, Jared Leto beating a kid to death with a crowbar, I mean, I imagine that's pretty intense. That may not entirely have to be in here or it may not have to be in here at all. It might just be a special thing that they save for the home video release. But it would be a good bridge to Suicide Squad. So I imagine we'll see it before Suicide Squad if it's not in Suicide Squad. So that's one. Uh, I'm not sure. Can I even talk about the other one? Um, I talked about it a little in my column, but not as a sure thing. So maybe not. Maybe we can't. But I think you're guessing right. Okay. <laughs> what column should people read to go pick up like the hints that this might be happening? That we you should check out latino-review.com. <laughs> uh, but there's. I mean, yeah. we don't want to get sued. I mean, n- nobody important listens to this podcast. But if they did, we wouldn't want anyone to get fired over saying that something. I'll say, I'll say my speculative things I said in my column, okay. which is that you with Batman and Superman, which are the characters that are going to be fighting outside of the ones, the other battle that we know about, which is Wonder Woman, Doomsday, Superman, and Batman. Batman versus Superman, that fight does not benefit from adding violence from either party. Mm-hmm. Batman, anything he could do to Superman is probably not going to like cause any bodily damage considering he's questioning whether or not he's going to bleed. And anything Superman does to Batman is just straight up something Superman is not supposed to do, especially if we're coming out of this like neck snapping thing. So whatever that final battle is, it's going to need to cause some damage to possibly our unbleedable hero, possibly our guy who thought our armor was good enough, probably not our woman who's supposed to come in looking like a badass. But if you want to add some violence, add some violence to that fight and make it really intense. And I'm pretty much in favor of it. Okay. I mean, that, that was a good job. I think that's a great job being kind of vague. And, um, as much as I can. Yeah. If you've read the comics, you know what I'm alluding to. Okay. But, you know, it's like Storm of Spoilers. If you've read the source material, you got a leg up. And with Hunter Zolomon. That's, that's, that's today's moral. Read the source material. Yeah, read the get source material. Um, I've started reading uh, or listening to The Light Between Oceans, uh, which is going to be a Michael Fassbender, Alicia Vikander movie. So if you want to hear all the crazy plot twists and turns of that movie based on a book... I will have your info. No, it it won't be helpful at all. Um, except books are great. The, the one last thing I forgot to say about Zoom and Jake Eric, which is now buried in the spoiler section, but um, it's because Harry hated Jay from the start that last week, before the reveal this week, last week, I started getting on board with this whole Jay is evil thing. I mean, tapping out Jay in the glass was was a big hint too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, Harry is this guy. He shows up. He's an asshole. So we're supposed to not like him, but then we do like him because he's an asshole for a reason. And so if he's the character that 
we didn't like when he showed up, but we like him now, then he's probably right about something that we were wrong about. And, you know, that per- that thing being Jay Garrick, like, it, he hates Jay or hated Jay, you know, so um, that that's great storytelling. Good job, show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to talk about? We went through the whole episode and didn't mention the fact that today, this week's like villain was a giant shark man. Right. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was pretty sweet. I love living in the modern age of superhero television. Um, who's, who's causing trouble on Arrow this week? Vixen. Vixen's back there. in live action form. There we go. Vixen of CW Seed fame. And <laughs> we're in the future in Legends of Tomorrow this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, future Arrow. Yeah. Uh. And future Deathstroke, and, I think, and a whole bunch of future future Star City. All right. Things did not go well. Yeah. Uh, things did not pan out in Star City. I lo- my Actually, my favorite line from the end of last week's episode was, um, uh, well, I can't remember it right now. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Palmer Tech building. Why does it have a smoke logo on it? And I was like, yeah, you go, Felicity. All right. Um... I mean, apparently she helped run the city into the ground, but good job making a name for yourself while you did it. In the meantime, until next month, well, first of all, we are going to be back with a Star Wars episode with uh, Matt Patches and Neil Miller, um, our friends of friends in pod, which we're recording tomorrow. But we will be back with more Thought Bubble next month. Dave? Daredevil for sure this time. Daredevil for sure this time. Dave, where can people find your work on the internet in the meantime? Uh, you can find me at latino-review.com and geek.com and tweeting at DA70. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm here to tell you that spoiler culture is over, man. That's trolling and it's... Su- no, I'm just kidding. Um, you, can <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. Uh, <laughs> you can- no, that's staying in. <laughs> that's staying and in. your disclaimer. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Joe wrote this. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about Star Wars soon. So we will uh, be back in your ear holes talking about that soon. Bye.